Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Welcome back to a very special edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And today I'm joined by not one, but two Hall of Famers, two Syracuse legends, Jim Beheim and Dave Bing. Maybe two the- old guys. That's all you got. You got two old people here. We, we don't have nothing nothing else to do, so we can just do this. Well, I know I that's you, Hey, Jim, I thought you were still working. You got a well, job. Well, yeah, technically. <laughs> Calling games, I don't. That, that's not really work. That's just like, you know having fun <laughs> talking about basketball. Well, we're going to have a little fun and talk a little basketball here today. So this will fit right in with everything. But I was going to say, I'm joined by the greatest coach in Syracuse basketball history. And I don't know, am I joined by the greatest player in Syracuse basketball sure. history? Uh, that's a question for you, Jim. 100%. Okay. He averaged a triple-double. I mean, who did that? <laughs> Back in the day, Funny. back in the day. <laughs> yeah, well, it still counts. Absolutely. All, all well, I, I invited both of you guys to join me because over the next month or so, you're both going to be honored here at your alma mater. Uh, Dave, the Syracuse is going to add you to the, the ring of honor uh, at the, the home game coming up on Saturday, January 27th against North Carolina State. Jim, your honor is is in February. I think Syracuse plays Notre Dame on that day. Uh, special honor for you. Um, let Dave, let's start with you. What kind of emotions uh, are stirred up when, A, you receive this kind of honor, but also you get a chance to come back to, to your alma mater? Well, it's, uh, uh, it, it's without a doubt a high for me. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in my athletic life in particular to have some success. So it all started, um, you know, from a national standpoint, it started at Syracuse back in 1962. You know, I, I kind of, high school was, you know, just D.C. But uh, coming to Syracuse as a freshman, having the opportunity uh, to play with guys from all over the country uh, was a, a really challenge uh, for us because Syracuse really didn't have a basketball program until our freshman class came. And, um, you know, the rest of it is history because you've got a guy that, uh, that came to Syracuse with me in 1962 
and never left, still there, and has just an unbelievable success story. Very lucky, but when you came here, it changed everything for Syracuse basketball. Immediately, um, w- one player can't do that normally, but our sophomore year, immediately we were relevant, uh, beat some really good teams, went to the NIT, which at that time was a huge tournament. You had 12 in the NCAA and 12 in the NCAA or 16. It was one of those numbers, small Uh number so if you made the NIT it was really almost like making the NCAA in 1962 it was that big of a deal to go to New York and play in the garden and it all changed because of Dave the rest of us were complimentary players at best and he elevated us up into that stratosphere and our senior year we went to the uh, elite elite eight you know finals of the regional and, uh, you know, it was an amazing turnaround. Um, and, and that's not something that you can take lightly because we went from 300 or whatever number of schools there were in the country. Remember, Syracuse had lost 29 straight games before Dave got here. And I'm only included now when they talk about that team because of coaching I've done. They, they didn't talk about me when I was playing. But to take a program from there to the top 20 in the country uh, is is almost unheard of. And that's what happened uh, uh, when Dave came here. And it lasted for years. We uh, recruited off of that for, for many years. And it helped us propel ourselves you know, forward as a basketball program uh, for the last 50 or 60 years. You know, if, yeah, if we, uh, if freshmen could have played varsity when we were in school, um, our freshman team uh, would have played varsity because we were better than the varsity team. I mean, we scrimmaged against the varsity and we beat them consistently. Well, uh, <laughs> so you know I might get uh, a lot of credit and I appreciate that but I'll tell you um, Frank Nicoletti um, was a high school All-American for New Jersey when he came out uh, his senior year uh, Dick Abelman and Rex Trowbridge were really outstanding players uh, of an upstate New York Jim was also he's kind of trying to downplay because his, our freshman year Fred Lewis had already given away all of the scholarships. So Jim um, didn't have a scholarship as a freshman, but he was on the team and obviously he was a a good player. Uh, It took us losing one of the scholarship players um, late in our freshman year before Jim got a scholarship as a sophomore. And then we started in the backcourt together. So, you know, he likes to give me credit, but Jim was a good player. I mean, he averaged 13, 14 points a game uh, as my backcourt mate, and he made it easy for me because he was very good moving without the ball, and I could always find him, and he would let me know where he was going to be. <laughs> get him not, as much, <laughs> not as much as George Hicker, though. George would oh, yell yeah. wherever he was. He could be 40 feet from the basket. He'd 
He, he was, was open. Yeah, he I'm was open. open. Uh, yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody's guarding you out there, George. But yeah. all right, George comes in a year or two later than you guys. But as long as we're mentioning some of your other classmates, we get we can't leave out Sam Pensil. Um, and technically, even though he wasn't in your class, uh, Chuck Richards becomes a, a, a key part of the program too. So Dave, Jim talks about how you know the program was in a kind way. The, the Syracuse program was down. You're a very highly rated recruit coming out of Spingarn High School in Washington, D.C. What did Fred Lewis, the new coach at the time, tell you to convince you to go to Syracuse? Um, the first thing he said is that we, we got a new program, we got a new coach, we got a new field house, and there are quite a few guys coming in that you've never seen play, but I've recruited them, and they're good players. And I think all of you will complement each other. But really made, what made me come to Syracuse outside of the basketball program was the guys who recruited me. And the weekend that I came, Ernie Davis uh, was a senior. Uh, John Mackey um, was a junior. And they're the two guys because there were no black players on the team. And they were the two guys that kind of recruited me and convinced me that uh, Syracuse was a good place to come from an academic standpoint and they thought um, what they had heard about me that I could help turn the program around. So they were very influential in me making my final decision. Fred Lewis was a great recruiter, no doubt about it. But uh, those two guys that weekend showed me a good time and convinced me that that was a good place for me to, to start. You're talking about two of the greatest football players that ever played the game. John Mack, of course, at tight end, and Ernie Davis. Yeah. didn't get a chance to go forward, but every football coach I ever talked to here said that he was as good or better than Jim Brown. And that that's a pretty high bar. That is a bar. <laughs> uh definitely. And Jim Brown was uh one of your favorite players, Jim, right? I read I think yeah. I've read that before. You you were a Cleveland Browns fan because of him. Yeah, and Lions, we had both the, the Giants on one station and the Browns on the other, and I knew you know, Jim Brown coming from Syracuse, I, you know, I followed him and, of course, became a big Cleveland Browns fan because of him and uh, always thought he was the best running back ever. They might like that guy in Detroit. Barry Sanders. He was pretty good, He's pretty good uh, Barry Sanders, but uh, I, I was a Jim Brown fan also. And even after I got the chance to meet him, uh, coming back to Syracuse, um, I, we developed a pretty good friendship. I, a lot of respect for him, not only as a football player, but as a man, as a person, because he really did some things after football that, uh, that I think changed a lot of lives in a positive way. Jim, what were your first impressions of, of Dave, both on and off the court, too? Well, when we went to the gym, I realized right away he was, there was Dave and the rest of us. We, you know, he he dominated every every. We scrimmaged in half court. You know, we just played pickup, and uh, there'd be about twenty. Guys, we had twenty guys on scholarship, and football players would come over to the gym, and they were pretty good, some of them, and uh, play. And you, to get on the court, we just had a half court game. So if you lost, you were out for two hours probably or an hour and a half. So I got on Dave's team every day and we so that I we would win and I could stay on the court <laughs> every day. But uh he was so far above us talent wise 
on the basketball court that, you know, it, it wasn't even a, a discussion. And off the court, he was just the guy that everybody looked up to a little bit because of his talent, but his maturity and uh, how he carried himself off the court. And then sophomore year, of course, we roomed together for two years, sophomore, junior year. And uh, he taught me more stuff off the court than uh, probably anybody has, how to behave, how to act with people, you know, how to treat people. Um, and uh, I think that was the greatest lesson for me, uh, you know, being his roommate. And obviously on the court, he, he dominated uh, what we tried to do. And uh, it, it was always fun going to practice and playing basketball because you're playing with one of the best basketball players in the country at the time, right from the beginning. I mean, his sophomore year, he was 22 and eight or something. You know, it was uh, crazy as a sophomore to do that. And four or five assists and probably, we, I don't think we really kept steals, but probably four or five steals a game because we pressed and ran. Uh, so it was a phenomenal experience being able to play with him and then to, to be uh, his roommate. And, you know, he's gone on to do things in the world that uh, – most of us only hope to be able to do in business and politics and then helping kids in the city of Detroit, something that we try to do here through the boys and girls clubs. But they've always set the example for other people. And uh, he's by far the best leader uh, that I've ever known. And I've known a few pretty good ones. Uh, but he leads by example and also by actions. Yeah, I do want to get to you like your post-playing careers eventually here. Um, it's it's going to take about half an hour to read off some of you know Dave's account. His business card is like a about like this. Um, but so I was asking Jim Dave about his first impressions of, of you. What were your first impressions of Jim? You know, we were. Um... Personality-wise, we were opposites. You know, I was more outgoing, and Jim was more introverted. Um, you know, he was low-key. Um, as far as a basketball player was concerned, um, it was obvious to me that uh, he had skills, he had talent, he knew the game, the small nuances of the game. As a person, um, as my roommate, now I will say a couple of things that uh, <laughs> don't tell everything. <laughs> not everything. You know, we were responsible for keeping our room clean, keeping our beds made up, you know, washing our clothes and all of that stuff. That was not a strength for Jim. Mm -hmm. um, so as roommates, and then I'm I'm a city guy, and, and uh, Jim was a small city guy. And I really liked music. And, uh, you know, we played a lot of music in our room. And that's how we prepared in a lot of cases for the game. Um, just, and, and then we always talked basketball. He was very knowledgeable, even as a very young guy. He was very knowledgeable about the game. <laughs> now, from a study standpoint, um, I, I couldn't match him because I had different kind of habits. I didn't have. Um, the ability that Jim had. Jim could probably, uh, he went to his classes, 
But in terms of preparation for tests and finals and things of that nature, I never saw anybody that could cram the way he did. He could stay up all night and cram for a test, do great on the test. I mean, he was a bright guy. Um, but I said, I wish I could do that. And uh, I got, uh, you know, we talked a lot about uh, academics and, you know, how important that was, because if you didn't have the right um, grades, I mean, you couldn't play. Because one of our really good players in our, our sophomore year, um, <clears throat> one of our really good players, a guy we thought would help us take us to the next level was Vaughn Hopper. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Vaughn uh, couldn't play in his sophomore year uh, because he didn't have the grades. So we we knew how important that was. And, uh, you know, Jim, Jim, even back then, I didn't know a damn thing about golf. You know, Jim was already uh, a very, very good golfer. Um, billiards, um, he could, on the pool table, he was very good. He had a lot of different skills. So um, I learned a lot from him and uh, I enjoyed uh, being his roommate. I knew a lot about things you, that don't really help. <laughs> Ping pong, billiards, and that stuff. Cards. You know, I, I definitely wanted to ask you guys this. This is 1962-63. And when Fred Lewis pairs you guys as roommates, and actually, Dave, you mentioned that you and Jim didn't room together as freshmen. As freshmen, you were with Frank Nicoletti. Correct. Jim, who did Frank you was too crazy. Frank was too crazy. <laughs> Fred Lewis was smart. He knew that he, Dave couldn't stay with Frank. <laughs> I, I would get in trouble. I would get in trouble. <laughs> Fred wasn't going to have his star player rooming with with uh, with Nicoletti, huh? No, no. But you know, if he had wanted to. Fred could have put Dave you with Sam Pansil, the other African American on the team. He did not. He chose to split you. Was he was he doing that on purpose at that time? And what was it just like for both of you to room with somebody of a different race back in the early to mid 60s? It was an education for me because my upbringing in Washington, D.C., from the kindergarten through the 12th grade, um, all of my schoolmates were African-American. We were an inner city school. And we did um, play against teams that were integrated, but uh, I had never uh, associated with anybody outside of my race because of my neighborhood that I grew up in and the school that I went to. So um, at Syracuse, I, I think Fred um, made the decision that even though that he had two black players and we probably had a lot of things in common, I think he wanted to separate us so that it was part of our growth. And because um, Jim, in our second year, our sophomore year, um, you know, Jim was now a scholarship player. And I think Fred Lewis saw uh, in both of us uh, the opportunity for both of us to, to grow and, and understand the kind of environment that we were in. And I could learn from him and he could learn from me. And that, in fact, did happen. I think, too, that Fred understood the game. Uh, you know, he, he was a hard coach uh, in a lot of ways, tough coach, but he understood basketball. He, he was a, a basketball guy. And I think he recognized that I was going to be a factor on the team. I think that had a little bit to do with the pairing. 
Um, you know, I'm coming from Lyons, New York. There was one African-American family in Lyons. So uh, it, this is a new world for me. And uh, even at Syracuse, I mean, African-American students were limited to football and basketball players right away. And a few student body people. But it was it was a great experience for me. I learned a lot from Dave about a lot of things, not just one or two. And also, I knew, well, if I'm with Dave, at least people will know who I am on campus. <laughs> that, that was then, and now it's just the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell that story all the time when I was in Detroit with Dave, and they said, in the deli, I, I know Dave doesn't probably remember this, but I don't even know if he heard it, but some guy said, who's that white guy over there with Bing? And then when I was walking in, into the varsity one day uh, recently with Dave, somebody said, who's that black guy with Bayheim? So <laughs> it really it is a true story. Yeah, <laughs> full circle, full circle. Full circle. <laughs> Did you guys as, as college kids ever visit each other's hometowns? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went yeah. to I came to Washington in the summer and a couple of us went down. We played in. The park went to. Let's see, what's bear? Um, what was the park there, um, Dave? The where did we play down there in DC. Yeah, that, that was the junior high school was Kelly Miller. Yeah, Kelly yeah. Miller, and yeah. that's uh, that's where most of the good players from DC. That's where everybody came. Uh, it was two courts. The courts were lit so you could play at night, and all the talent matriculated to that area. So. Um, Jim came down. Um, Nicoletti came down. Uh, I'm not sure if I don't know that Chuck came down or not, but I know uh, I, I took them to the playground. And once again, you're talking about an all African American uh, area, and all of a sudden here I am bringing a couple of white guys, and people, are, the guys in the neighborhood are looking at me like something was wrong. You've gone crazy. I mean, what did Syracuse do to you? But we were friends. And um, I mean, getting them to come down and see where I lived, how I lived, and places that uh, that helped me mature and grow up uh, was good. And then, you know, we went to Jim's uh, home. Um, we were, this may have been um, our sophomore year, and uh, we couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. And uh, because we were practicing and preparing for the season, and Jim invited uh, a lot of guys to come down and have Thanksgiving dinner at his home. And I say about four or five of us uh, uh, drove over to the Lions and that was an experience. I mean, uh, you know, we didn't know uh, what Jim's dad did. <laughs> they found out. <laughs> For living. <laughs> we got there, I think it was Carl Vernick, uh, myself, uh, Nicoletti, uh, Norm Goldsmith. I know the four of us. I don't know if there was somebody other than that. But uh, we had a good time. And uh, like I said, uh, we were introduced to a different kind of lifestyle. I think they were a little s skeptical about the funeral home part because we lived in one side of the house and, of course, the funeral home was in the other. They were a little nervous, I think, when they when they got there, but, but we got through it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what to expect. I think Jim used to refer to the um, I don't know clients there as, as the guests. No, I don't remember about that. 
they were in our house, they were in our house for sure. <laughs> well, that's amazing stuff. Um, you know, how have you to helped each other over the years? Because you've went, you've gone in a way your separate ways. Dave went off and played in the NBA, and and he's stayed in Detroit, where you spent most of your NBA career. As we pointed out earlier, Jim, you pretty much stayed here in Syracuse. But, you know, how have you guys helped each other and, and remained in touch for all these years? Well, Dave has always been a great supporter in recruiting and, you know, making us aware of players like Derek Coleman from Detroit, Todd Bergen, uh, that we obviously were great players for us. But he's always been supportive of the program. He comes back. His daughter came to Syracuse. I mean, he's kept ties with Syracuse, as as most of our former players have, coming back uh, almost on a yearly basis, uh, just to support the program. And, you know, some of it was because I coached for so long. But now, even as we moved on to a new coach, Dave and all of our, our, our alums are very supportive of the basketball program, which is very important to have that history with the program because we are a family and to have a family, you have to have relatives and guys that come back and tie together with the guys currently in the program. And Dave has always done that. And that's very important. But Jim has been a constant. I mean, he's the guy that, that was there. He was a guy that, um, that a lot of people probably didn't have a lot of knowledge about his aptitude as a as a coach. And I think we as his teammates found out uh, very early that he knew the game. Um, would Fred Lewis would, would, would give us different plays to run. Jim would come with different options. And a lot of the options, the ball would wind up in his hands. He was very smart. He knew how to do that. But, you know, we, we are all good friends, uh, always supportive of each other. And everybody was so happy and proud of the program that Jim put together for, you know, 40 years. Um, and so to see one of us succeed um, at the school that started all of our careers was very, very important to all of us. And so most of us, especially from our class, we are lucky that out of the seven, seven guys that came in together, six of us um, are still alive. And uh, five of us stay pretty much in contact with each other. But Jim has been the glue that kept all of us together was because he was the reason for us coming back to Syracuse and being supportive of him and the program. Well, it was an unbelievable group because each and every guy from our group went on to be very successful, not just Dave and I, uh, in, in what they chose to do, whether it was teaching, whether it was, you know, what whatever profession, whatever field they chose. And it was a great group. And the guys that came in right after us that played with us, uh, same thing, great, great people. And, you know, Fred Lewis was a masterful recruiter, along with his assistant, Morris Osborne, who sometimes gets forgotten, who was a great recruiter. Yeah, yeah. Um, they really put together some classes out of nowhere. You're talking about bottom of the, of the, of the barrel 
Syracuse basketball program. And they didn't rate recruiting back then, but we had a top 10 recruiting class every year under Fred Lewis. He was a master uh, recruiter and really got this program going. You know, he probably doesn't get enough credit. Um, certainly, he coached Roy Danforth, who came here and did an unbelievable job uh, coaching here. That helped. Uh, and then, uh, again, by the time I got the job, we had a little tradition. We had some credibility. And uh, long story short, we had a good program. The Big East came, and we became a national program. Uh, because of the big east dave did you think jim was gonna be did you first of all did you think he was gonna go into coaching that he was uh that that, that was gonna be his future when you guys were in school together yes yes uh-huh. um <clears throat> once again i mean we as roommates we talked basketball quite a bit and it, it was very obvious to me he knew the ins and outs of the game but you know he was underestimated, you know, um, he wasn't flashy. Um, he didn't gr- have great jumping ability. Uh, he wasn't all of that fast and all of that, but he was steady. I mean, he had, he could shoot the ball and he did things that were uncommon for uh, young people. And that's moving without the ball, knowing how to get to the spot on the floor where you could find him, and then, you know, he was a good shooter, and I guess that's a family tradition now. <laughs> well, they're better. They're a lot better shooters now. <laughs> you know, Jim likes to poke fun at his game and downplay it a little bit, but can we, can we let's remind everybody, you average 15 points a game as a senior. You don't well, do that just by, you know, going well, that's right because spot. I just – I got in the open spots and everybody tried to guard Dave. So I had some open layups, but I actually, I got better after Syracuse. I was a really late developer. Uh, I mean, I was 145 pounds here when I played here and uh, had was like 17 when I came here, but I was really, I didn't really get physically ready to play. I didn't shave. So I was, I don't know, 22 or something like that. And when I played after college in the Eastern League, I started to really play good basketball. And I had an opportunity to go to the NBA to actually be with the Pistons because my Eastern League coach, Paul Seymour, took over the Pistons with Dave. And then, of course, they they had Dave, Jimmy Walker, and Howie Comise. And (laughs) so I knew if I came to, to Detroit, I'd be the fourth guard. In that time, the NBA, the fourth guard didn't really play that much. And I'm thinking, I give up coaching. I, I started coaching. I give all that up. To, I, I really kind of wanted to go, but I knew, yeah, I'm not that good. I'm not going to play in the NBA. I'll be on the team maybe for a year or two, and then I'll have to start over someplace else. And I've already started here at Syracuse. And, you know, I'm in grad school. I'm coaching. I'm coaching golf. And it really wasn't a hard decision because I'm just not going to play up there as the fourth guy. I don't think that was what I looked at anyway. Well, the thing about Jim is that he's one of those guys that every year he got better. And, you know, our freshman year, 
um, he was, you know, quote unquote, the, maybe one of the last guys uh, on, on on the totem pole. But every year he he improved and he got better. And as he said, by the time he became a senior, he was a, a very good player. And he also said that he he continued to improve after leaving Syracuse as he went over to the Eastern League. And uh, so, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, just kept on improving and he understood weaknesses in his game and that's what he worked on and that's how he got better in every phase of the game. Well, you went on, Dave, to a, an amazing NBA career. I mean, I think you were NBA Rookie of the Year. Uh, you had the NBA scoring title at a time when guys like Oscar Robertson and Wilt Chamberlain were, were in the league. Um, a multiple all-star, right? Um, but you're, you're probably one of, the, one of those few guys whose post-playing careers are over going to shadow uh, an incredible NBA, a Hall of Fame NBA career. You, you're being steel. Uh, you were the mayor of Detroit at a time when the when the city was going through a major financial crisis. And then it's beyond that, I really want to ask you about. It's your efforts with the youth in Detroit and then your mentorship program. And I actually wanted to give you a few minutes here just to kind of talk about that program and why you decided to start that and develop that and why it means so much to you. Well, I was a product of... Um mentorship as a young guy growing up. And and so I had guys that were older than me in DC that always not only helped me with my game, but also taught me a lot about the street and, and how to act, um, how to treat people. Um, so, you know, I had a dad at home, but um, my dad was good, but he didn't have the time to give me, to sit me down and teach me the little things that I needed uh, as a as a total person. <laughs> so being mentored um, as a young guy was something that's been um, a part of me way back when. So as I got to Detroit, I mean, I, I immediately got involved in the community, uh, boys clubs, girls clubs, uh, different kinds of clubs uh, in the communities here. And Every offseason, <clears throat> even though back then we weren't making the kind of money guys make today. So you had to work in the offseason. And I did that, even though my game started to improve, my income started to improve. Um, I still had to work in the offseason. And so I learned skills uh, from a business perspective uh, that would help me run my business at a later date uh, after retirement, because when you look at, you know, what kind of career you're going to have post-playing days, there were only a couple of black coaches in the NBA. And there was only one general manager in the NBA. So um, I didn't think that I would, I never wanted to coach, quite frankly. If I was going to stay in the NBA, my preference would have been uh, trying to run the business side uh, as a general manager. But I knew that was going, that was all, you know, I didn't think that was going to happen. So I was pretty prepared and always stayed involved in the community with young kids. As mayor of Detroit, I went to areas in the city that I'd never been before because I had no reason to go to a lot of places around the city. But as mayor, you had to go everywhere. You had to meet everybody. You had to try to make sure everybody felt comfortable that you were the guy that knew a little bit about their situation and you were there to try to help. 
So I saw the way people were living, young boys, black boys in particular. Um, our school system was in really bad shape. Um, and I think this is an urban problem across the country where uh, African-American boys, when they get to the ninth grade, over 50% of them never graduate from high school. And if you don't have at least a high school degree, it's going to be very difficult as you move to an adult to have success in your life. Now, I'm not a, a, a person that think every kid has to go to college to be successful, but it's a good barometer. And so I got into this program uh, where they said black men don't really care much about black boys and nothing could be farther away from the truth. You see in our society today, women are running a household by themselves because so many separations uh, uh, with families take place. So all of a sudden these boys are being mentored by their moms who I think do a good job, but there's no man in their life. And so I said, you know, the thing that I think is missing for a lot of these boys that I had was that we've got to get black men to um, marry up with some of these boys and uh, teach them how to be a man. And some of the important things that we've learned in life, we can share with them. <clears throat> so that's now I'm in my 10th year. And we've had a 100% graduation rate from our kids that entered the program. We went from ninth grade down to seventh grade. Because if you can get them younger and uh, you can uh, establish some of the bad habits that they have, you can break some of those bad habits. So we thought doing it at a younger age was a good thing to do. So now our kids are seventh to 12th. And uh, like I said, uh, out of probably over 200 kids in the program over the 10 years, we've had a 100% graduation rate. Um, probably 30 to 40% of the kids have gone on to college. We do have college graduates that now come back and they mentor the boys that we now have in the program. So um, it's, a, uh, it's a really good feeling to, to know that you're making a difference in the lives of some of these young boys. It's a program that everybody should be trying to do. We do a little of that here, not the same level, but we work with the boys and girls clubs to work with kids. And, and the, because of the time situation until really right now, we kind of raise money and dump money into the boys and girls club to hire some people that could do what Dave does. And it, it's been pretty successful, but we still need to do a lot more, especially after COVID when so many kids dropped out so many kids are just dropped out they didn't have computers they didn't have wi-fi and now we have a huge problem in the inner city where these kids are now 14 15 years old and they're out of been out of school for two years they have nothing to do and they that's when trouble comes in so but what dave has done is a, a, an unbelievable program that really should be adopted by cities and get more kids involved because it does, it can save kids. And they've saved a lot of kids. You know, this could be a program that would work everywhere. Yeah, I, I read about it in your in your uh, autobiography, Dave, and I, I, I definitely wanted to ask you about it because it sounds like it's a very successful program. Uh, Jim, you and Julie uh, put together the Jim and Julie Beheim Foundation several years ago. Your philanthropic efforts are uh, well noted throughout the, the central New York community here. Have you been able to give more time 
to that stuff since retiring or I, but I, I know you have a busy schedule now with your announcing duties. Well, I'm busy, but we've always found time for it. Julie works at it pretty much full time. That's why we have success because she's, when we started, we probably were raising a hundred thousand dollars a year. And now we raise seven or eight. We've raised a million some years, but we, we average out at about five or $600,000 a year that we, don't have to send someplace for maybe a worthwhile cause, but it goes nationally. Everything stays here. Every dime we raise stays in Syracuse, and it's only used by organizations that work with kids, do something for kids. And I mean, obviously the Boys and Girls Club are a big part, but there's we, we probably fund during the course of a year we give grants to as many, probably up to 50 different organizations that work with kids. Some are very small. The bicycle program we helped fund uh, was giving out 100 bikes. Now they give out three or two or 3,000 bikes. Uh, they got a bunch of guys just get bikes and fix them up and give them out. And so we've helped fund that for the last few years. So there's a lot of little things that we do and uh, a few big things, First Tee uh, is, is one of them, but there's a Field of Dreams. We've, we've done some more major gifts, too. Uh, but the people in Syracuse are unique. They support us. We have a gala, 800 people come. And other coaches have done that, and they get 150 people. So we're very fortunate. Our fans support us. They send us checks they, to the foundation directly or they come to the gala or golf tournament and we're able to take those dollars and put them right back into the community um, twice a year. So it's been great. We'll try to continue to raise that money um, and uh, keep, keep supporting the community. Dave, your big day here in Syracuse is coming up real soon. Saturday, January 27th, Syracuse will be playing North Carolina State that day. You go into the Ring of Honor. Um, do you get a chance to interact with the current players when you on your trips back to campus? Uh, yeah, Jim made sure that that happens. Um, whenever I would come back, um, he, whether it was at a practice or whatever the case may be, uh, he makes sure, not only myself, but other former players that would come back, he makes sure that uh, uh, we meet those players and uh, we're there. Uh, if they got questions, uh, a lot of us uh, have gone on and had some success, and we have to try to share with them what we went through to get to where we are today. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'll join uh, Jim uh, in the uh, in the ring of the ring of honor because uh, you know he's already there, rightly so, for everything that he's done and achieved. And uh, we look at it, uh, you know, it's more football players up there than anybody else, I think. And it's now time for basketball to start put, putting our imprint uh, in that area. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, all my family is coming. My wife, my uh, my kids, my grandkids. Uh, so, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of my uh, ex teammates again because we are still friendly, and I think a lot of them are coming back. And I've had guys that that played in Syracuse after me that uh, that are coming back, and I've gotten 
uh, you know, more emails and more uh, text messages uh, congratulating me and saying, uh, you know, I'm glad you're going in. We, we think you deserve to be there. You should have been there way before this, et cetera, et cetera. So it all makes you feel good. But I'm looking forward to coming back and I'm looking forward to reestablishing some of the relationships that I have. Could we get a visit from Derek Coleman? Uh, there's a strong chance that uh, D.C. will be there. <laughs> he might be mad at us for some reason we don't know yet, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. He's always been a great supporter. He's always helped us and come back. And uh, uh, we always he's the, always the main guy at the party when he's there. So he'll, he, I'm sure he'll get back here, too. It'll be a great day. Um, we're all looking forward to it. And uh, it's it's to have the Dave being back in the in town is uh, unique. You know, I think Jim Brown and kind of Ernie Davis and Floyd Little kind of are the three guys you think about in football. When you think about basketball, you think about Dave Bank. That's that's what you think about. Old or new, I mean, we're fortunate. We had a lot of great players, uh, but Dave started it and has kept in touch and kept. Uh, you know, kept current with everything we've done in basketball. And uh, that's not always the case with uh, guys. Once they get to a certain point in life, they kind of get away from where they were. Dave's never done that. He's always supported us here at Syracuse. And uh, I I think that's something that, that can't be uh, overemphasized. And it'll be great to see his name up there. Probably should have been up there before mine, but I'm here. So I guess they figured they had to put me up there first and something. So that's okay. We'll both be up there together. And uh, yeah. It's ironic um, that I don't know how many college teammates made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Um, here, here, I've made it as a player. Jim's made it as a coach, and in, in some, maybe some schools had a couple of guys that got into the NBA Hall of Fame. I don't know, um, <clears throat> but this is really unique. And uh, here we are, same class coming in. You know, former roommates. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that. The both of us have achieved that I don't think many programs and many schools can say that. Yeah, I don't think there's many that were roommates and played together and yeah. went to the Hall of Fame together. That, yeah. I'm sure there's, there's Mike, that's a, a question for Mike to research and try to figure out. <laughs> I, I guarantee he's thinking about that right now. He's going to He's going to be doing some research on that right now. But uh, yeah, that's a submission yeah, just, for Mike's mailbox from Dave B in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. It's great to see both of you again. And uh, oh. I don't have to talk to the media very much right now. So it's uh, it's all right to once in a while dip back into history here a little bit. I have, I have one last question for you, Jim. This will be your first uh, appearance at an SU game. Uh, since your retirement, I was wondering, what's how's that? Do you think that's going to feel for you? What kind of emotions is that going to bring up? And how do you? Well, it'll, it'll be different. You know, it's been a different year. I really enjoyed retirement. Uh, Adrian Autry's done an unbelievable job with the team, and 
kind of restarting and getting into this first year. It's always a transition year, but he's established a, a, a great culture already and done well. Some really good things of recruiting. But I just don't like going to the games now. It's just a distraction. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski told me he went to one game. He wished he didn't go to that one. So, you know, I'll be there, but I'll be hiding someplace for one person. You can't hide. You can't hide. Come on. <laughs> for most of the game. And uh, I'm just proud to be there. I remember when we came in, um, I remember, I'll never forget it, I, I went to the Gully, the dingle truck, which we had a food truck. I thought they might have them out there. I don't even know if they're there anymore. But there was truck. We'd go outside, and there was a girl there, and she asked me what I did. I said, I played basketball. Uh, oh, you guys are terrible. And I said, well, no, we're going to be good. And she said, no, you'll never be good in basketball. I'll never forget that. I, I always wanted to, I wish I could her name down. I did. But uh, I think we, we, we surpassed her expectations anyway. <laughs> Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.